Tonight we are going to begin a new uh, series, a new Bible study uh, that will lead us up to the celebration of resurrection, what uh, is traditionally known as Easter week. Uh, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this uh, afternoon we're going to begin a series uh, discussing the uh, last sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Esta noche vamos a comenzar una serie de estudio llevándonos hacia la celebración de la resurrección sobre los últimos, las últimas palabras de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. Uh, when I was a little boy, they uh, used to do a week-long revival at Easter, and uh, they called it the Seven Last Sayings, and uh, it, it uh, was a whole week of preaching on this uh, these these uh, last sayings of the Lord, uh, we're going to take about a month or so, three weeks or so, to study this together. And I pray that your life will be enriched as we go to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as we prepare to celebrate the resurrection, we are reminded of his death and that you and I uh, were saved as a result of his death. And so I'm going to ask you to go to the gospel according to Luke we're going to title this series, Famous Last Words. And uh, so tonight we begin with the very first of these seven sayings, Luke chapter 23, and we'll begin at verse 33. Vamos a comenzar en Lucas capítulo 23, el verso 33 uh, en adelante. Estudiando las siete palabras, las últimas uh, palabras de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, the famous last words of Christ. On the cross, Jesus spoke seven times. Uh, desde la cruz, Jesús habló siete veces. And I think you would agree with me tonight that what someone speaks on their deathbed is probably important. Creo que cada uno de nosotros estaría de acuerdo que lo que uno habla en la muerte, en la, en la cama de muerte, es muy importante. And so the words of Jesus from the cross are a treasure of revelation to us about God, about the heart of God, about the heart of his son, Jesus, and about our salvation. Lo que Jesús dice desde la cruz es para nosotros un tesoro de lo que viene desde el corazón de Dios, la revelación de la palabra de Dios hacia nosotros. And so we begin there in Luke chapter 23, verse 33. When they came to the place of the skull, the place called the skull, they were crucified where they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments amongst themselves. And the people stood by looking on, and when the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this was the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the Christ of the Jews, save yourselves. Now there was also an inscription above him that said, This is the King of the Jews. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you tonight for the precious presence of the Spirit of God. 
among us. We're so blessed to be in the house of God and to be ministered to by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I ask tonight that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that as we study the word together, we might receive uh, the fruitfulness from the word in every one of our hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 The famous last words of Jesus. Tonight we begin with number one of the seven last sayings of Christ. And uh, we find, uh, if I can give you a review, that Jesus has been uh, crucified. And we need to know who he is before we talk about what he said. Antes de hablar de quien es el que ha dicho estas palabras, debemos primero uh, hablar de quien es el que las habló. Why are these words so important? ¿Por qué son estas palabras tan importantes? Well, the Bible reveals to us, it teaches us that God created the world in perfection. Dios creó el mundo en perfección, in innocence. Creó el mundo en inocencia. And then as a result of the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, sin came into the world. Como resultado del pecado de Adán y Eva, En el jardín, el huerto del Edén, entró el pecado al mundo. So the Bible says that because of one man, sin came into the world and death through sin. Entonces dice la Escritura que a través de un hombre entró el pecado al mundo y la muerte a través del pecado. And sin spread like an infection. Uh, into all of mankind. El pecado se desparramó como una infección o como una, uh, una plaga. It spread like a virus or a plague uh, into all of mankind, except it did not uh, do so physically, but rather in the spiritual reality. El pecado se desparramó por todo el mundo en la realidad del hombre espiritual. And because man is spirit, he acts out that sin and that sinful nature in his uh, physical life. Porque el hombre es espiritual, lo que él hace físicamente es resultado del pecado que hay espiritualmente en su corazón. At the heart of man and at the heart of man's problem is a spiritual problem. En el corazón del problema del hombre hay un problema espiritual. You and I need to be aware of this because you might be dealing with a physical habit. You might be dealing with a, 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 a situation in your life that is physical or it's manifesting itself physically. Maybe uh, when we talk about someone's temper, we, we see them get um, worked up. We see them get frustrated. We see it in, in the physical sense. We're talking about an addiction. We hear and we talk about the physical reality of that addiction. But all of that comes from a spiritual problem. Cuando vemos una persona que tiene un enojo muy fuerte, hablamos del resultado físico, sus ojos, su rostro, quizá la, la forma que habla. Cuando hay una adicción, hablamos de lo físico, de lo que ocurre físicamente. Pero la realidad es que el problema es espiritual. The problem is a spiritual problem. And so none, none of the medicine in the world, not all of the education in the world, not all of the training in the world or all the psychology in the world can fix the spiritual problem of man. Ni toda la educación, ni toda la medicina, ni todos los conceptos físicos o psicológicos del hombre pueden tratar 
con el problema espiritual del hombre. And so because nothing in the physical world could address the spiritual problem of man, God had to provide a plan by which man could be saved from sin. Dios tuvo que establecer un programa, un plan, por el cual el hombre pudiera ser salvo de el pecado. And he devised a plan that you and I may call uh, salvation, we may call it redemption, we may call it the cross. Él devisó un plan que quizá llamamos la redención o llamamos la cruz o la salvación. And basically the plan was this, that God would become a man. Este era el plan simplemente que Dios se haría hombre. The creator would become like the creation. El creador se uh, haría como la creación. And so God became a man, the son of God, who is the second person of the Godhead. El segundo personaje de la Trinidad, el hijo de Dios, se formó en carne humana. He came in the likeness of human flesh. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. Jesucristo es Dios en carne humana. I want you to say that out loud with me. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. Cristo, Jesucristo es Dios en carne humana. Jesus is not half God, half man. He is 100% God and 100% man. Jesucristo no es mitad de Dios, mitad de hombre. Él es 100% Dios, 100% hombre. He was not just God at certain times and a man at others. He was always God in flesh when he was on the earth. Él era 100% Dios sobre cuando él caminó sobre la tierra. And tonight, there is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, having all power and authority, a human being who's a man named Jesus. Ahora, esta noche, está sentado a la diestra de Dios Padre, un varón, un hombre, llamado Jesús. When you and I pray, we are praying to the man, Christ Jesus. Cuando oramos, oramos al varón, al hombre, Cristo Jesús. Now, because the human race was stained by sin, this man that had to be born had to be unlike other men. He had to be born sinless. Entonces, porque hay una contaminación en la humanidad del pecado, el hombre que va a nacer para salvar a la humanidad tiene que ser un hombre sin pecado. The man who's going to save sinners from their sin must be a man, but he has to be a sinless man. And so that required the virgin birth. Esto requirió la, el nacimiento de una virgen. So Jesus Christ was born not by a human seed, but by a divine conception in the womb of Mary. Jesús nació no de la semilla de un hombre, sino de el, la, uh, fue concibido por el Espíritu Santo en el vientre de María. And so when he was born, he was born absolutely 100% man, but without a single trace of man's spiritual problem of sin. Cuando Jesús nació, él nació 100% hombre, 
y también sin ninguna mancha del, de la raza pecaminosa o del la, el problema espiritual del pecado del hombre. Are you still with me? You tracking with me? So Jesus was a uh, was God in human flesh. Jesus is God in human flesh, and he's also 100% sinless. Jesús es 100% sin pecado. Now, in the Old Testament, when the Jews brought their sacrifices to the tabernacle or the temple to be offered up for sacrifice and for forgiveness of sins, the, all, the sacrifice had to be perfect. Cuando los judíos traían su sacrificio uh, a Dios en el tabernáculo para que uh, fueran perdonados por sus pecados, el sacrificio tenía que ser sin mancha, tenía que ser perfecto. And that was a, an Old Testament snapshot of the New Testament reality of the fact that Jesus would be a sinless sacrifice on behalf of man. Esos corderos que fueron uh, uh, entregados en el Antiguo Testamento bajo el viejo pacto eran un retrato, un vistazo hacia el hecho de que Jesús vendría y sería sacrificio perfecto por la humanidad. And so when John the Baptist saw Jesus. Look at how he introduced him. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. Cuando Juan el Bautista introduce a Jesús, él dice, He aquí el Cordero de Dios que quita el pecado del mundo. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, when he introduced Jesus into his public ministry, he introduced him as the perfect Lamb of God. Cuando Juan el Bautista introduce a Jesús como el Cordero, lo introduce, introduce al mundo como el Cordero de Dios, el Cordero perfecto de Dios. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. In the book of Genesis, and I'm just, I'm just summarizing the whole Bible in a few minutes, all right? So just hang with me. I'm going to slow down in just a minute, and we're going to talk about this famous saying, all right? But uh, in Genesis, it was required that every man offer a lamb. So it was a lamb per man. In Genesis, se requería una, un cordero por hombre. Then, uh, in, in, and we read a little further in Genesis, it became... A lamb per family. Actually, in Exodus, it became one lamb per family. Luego, en el libro de Éxodo, se ofrecía un cordero por una familia. Genesis, one lamb per, per man. Exodus, one lamb per family. Leviticus, it was one lamb for the nation. En Levítico, era un cordero por la nación. Genesis, one lamb per man. Exodus, a lamb per family. The circle got a little bigger. Leviticus, one lamb for the nation. But when John introduced Jesus, what did he say? He said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He understood that this would be the last lamb. It wasn't a lamb per man, a lamb per family, or a lamb for the nation. It was a lamb for the whole wide world and all of us who would be born thereafter. Somebody ought to thank God because Jesus is the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. Jesús es el Cordero que vino a tomar o quitar el pecado del mundo. Now, his whole destiny, his whole life, 
was directed and pointed at one moment, that would be his death. Toda la vida de Jesús estaba destinada a un momento que era la cruz. We talked about it a little bit last week. How Peter, when Jesus said, I have to go to Jerusalem and be executed, Peter said, may it never be. Don't let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen to you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for this hour I have come. El, cuando, cuando uh, Pedro viene, oye a Jesús que dice, yo voy a la cruz. Pedro le dice, no, de ninguna manera. Y él le dice, apártate de mí, Satanás. A esta hora yo he venido. Jesus understood that his entire purpose was the cross. I don't know if you and I can really get our mind around, around that. Because a lot of times people don't understand what their purpose is. Muchas veces nosotros no entendemos nuestro propósito. Jesus was crystal clear about his purpose. He didn't come to live into old age and be a grandpa and have a big house and a big yard. He didn't come to have a, 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 uh, a whole lot of life and a whole lot of experiences. He came with one specific objective and that was to die on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesús vino con un propósito a la tierra. No vino a ser abuelo, a tener nietos, a tener una vida larga, una, liga, una vida placentera. Él vino con un solo propósito. Y ese propósito era de morir por el pecado del mundo. Nothing could get his attention off of that purpose. Nada podía quitar su atención de ese propósito. In fact, the Bible said that he set his face like flint, like a rock. He set his face toward the cross. Dice la palabra del Señor que él puso su rostro como una peña así a la cruz, hacia Jerusalén. He had a determination that he had come with a specific mission. Why is that so important? ¿Por qué es tan importante esto? Let me explain this to you. If Jesus had not died on the cross, you and I would still be in our sin. Si Jesús no hubiera muerto en la cruz, usted y yo no hubiéramos tenido redención de nuestro pecado. The cross was necessary because of our sin. La cruz es necesario, fue necesaria por nuestro pecado. And so Jesus had to go to the cross. So when he sets his face to Jerusalem, and he sets his face to, to, to the cross, he has set his face toward your salvation. Cuando él puso su rostro hacia la cruz, él puso su rostro hacia nuestra salvación. Nothing could keep him from saving you. Nada podía desviarlo de salvarnos a nosotros. Somebody ought to get excited about that because nothing could keep him from, from getting to you. Nada lo podía detener de llegar a ti. You and I, we go through life and we meander and we wonder and we think about all these coincidences and things that just happen in our life. God says, no, sir, no, ma'am. I had a plan for your life. I have an intention for your life. I have, a, I have set and appointed a purpose over your life. And nothing could keep you from God or keep God from you. You're here tonight because God decided that you would be here tonight. Usted está aquí esta noche porque Dios lo decidió. 
So don't ever get this idea, well, I'm just going to run from God. I'm just going to go away and do my own thing. You can run, but you can't hide. God always gets his man. I said, God always gets his man. Dios siempre toma el corazón de aquel que le está buscando. Si usted dice, yo me voy a ir lejos de Dios. The psalmist said, though I make my bed in hell, behold, you will find me there. Dice el salmista, aunque yo hiciere mi cama en el infierno, ahí tú me encontrarás. There are no dark alleys with God. Come on, somebody. There are no corners with God. You say, I'm going to hide over here in the corner. God will go sit there with you. Si usted dice, yo me voy a esconder en un rincón, Dios se va a sentar contigo en el rincón. No, Él no te va a dejar. He's not going to let you. Now, you know, the Bible says about Samuel, that when, or, or Saul, that when the Lord was going to anoint him king of Israel, that he went and hid with the suitcases. Dice la Escritura que cuando Dios iba a ungir a Saúl, que el Saúl fue y se escondió entre los velices. He thought, nobody will find me here. The, the, the old King James uses the word stuff. He was hiding among the stuff. Dice la Escritura um, en, el, en una de las versiones que él estaba escondido entre las cosas. I don't know what stuff God found you with and found you in. Yo no sé cuál eran las cosas que Dios te encontró. But whatever stuff you were in, God found you there and he brought you out. Yo no sé cuál sea las cosas de la cual él te sacó. Come on somebody, don't act like you didn't have any stuff. No se haga como que en mi vida no había cosas. Sí había cosas. There was stuff. There's stuff in all of our life. I don't care what stuff you're in. God can get you out and clean you up and make you his child. No importa cuáles cosas estén en tu vida. Dios se puede sacar de ahí. God decided to go after your heart. Dios decide ir hacia tu corazón. Nothing could get Jesus off of his mission. Nada podía desviar a Jesús de su misión. Think about how Satan tempted him. Satan came to him and said, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Satanás vino y lo tentó y dijo, si tú uh, te humillas y me adoras, te voy a dar todos los reinos de la tierra. Now, he could have done that, but he would have been unable to save us after that. Si él hubiese hecho eso, quizá hubiera ganado los, los, lo, 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 uh, lo que le pertenecía al diablo. Pero Dios tenía una autoridad mayor para él. Y si él hubiese hecho eso, no te hubiera podido salvar. How many people have fallen for Satan's trap? I'll give you the whole world if you follow me. You know the thing is about the devil? He promises more than he can deliver. You give him an inch, he'll steal a mile. Come on, somebody. You're acting like you never played games with the devil. You played jacks with the devil, and he took all the jacks and the ball. Uh, he just left you standing. He took everything. Come on, don't act like the devil did you good. 
No lo podemos hacer como que el diablo nos hizo bien El diablo ofrece más que lo que nos puede dar Y, y Jesús no le tomó en cuenta Jesus didn't take any thought to what the devil was offering him Because he knew there was a glory that was waiting for him on the other side of the cross Él sabía que había una gloria mayor El otro lado de la cruz So that the apostle Paul says that when Jesus arose from the dead, he was given the name uh, uh, at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Sounds like God gave him more than the devil could have given him. The devil was offering him the kingdoms of the world. God gave him the kingdoms of the world and the kingdoms of heaven and the kingdoms of the invisible world. He gave him all the kingdoms and all the power. Nothing could distract him from the cross. And let me just ask you a question while we're at it. What's distracting you? ¿Qué te está distrayendo a ti? What's keeping you out of your faith walk? ¿Qué está desviándote de tu camino de fe? Tell your neighbor, get focused. It's time to focus on what it is God has called our life to be. Tenemos que enfocarnos en lo que Dios ha decidido para nuestra vida. Now here's the thing. Jesus, he's got his mind on the cross. The Bible says that a feast of the Jews came about, which was the feast of Passover. Llegó una fiesta de los judíos que se llamaba la Pascua. The Passover was a feast that celebrated the deliverance of the nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. Today the Passover celebrates the deliverance of man out of the slavery of sin. La, eh, la Pascua celeb celebraba la liberación de Israel de Egipto. Y hoy la Pascua celebra la liberación del hombre del pecado. Jesus died at Passover. Every Passover a lamb was offered. Now, Jesus, the Lamb, is being offered at Passover. En la Pascua se ofrecía un cordero. Ahora, el cordero ha llegado. The Bible said, Jesus is our Passover. Dice la Escritura que Jesús es nuestra Pascua. I want you to just think about this. At 9 a.m., every morning, the priest, the Jewish priest, would offer a sacrifice. A las nueve de la mañana, los sacerdotes en el tabernáculo ofrecían sacrificio. Y de nuevo, a las tres de la tarde. And then again, at three, they would offer their sacrifice. So think about this. What time was the first sacrifice? 9 a.m. What was the last sacrifice? Three o'clock. Jesus was crucified at exactly 9 a.m. And he died at 3 p.m. Jesús fue crucificado a las 9 de la mañana y murió a las 3 de la tarde. He is our Passover. Él es nuestra Pascua. It was no accident, no coincidence that Jesus died at the very time that the sacrifices were being offered in the tabernacle because he was the lamb that those sacrifices were typifying. 
No fue coincidencia o accidente que Jesús murió o fue crucificado en la misma hora de los sacrificios porque Él era el Cordero el cual iba a ser sacrificado. And so we arrive now at the scene of His crucifixion. Ahora llegamos a la escena de su crucificación. And if you have seen the passion of the Christ, you might have a good example of what a crucifixion was like. Si usted ha visto uh, la pasión del Cristo, quizá tiene una idea de cómo era una crucificación. But uh, whatever pain and agony you can imagine was involved in the crucifixion, was involved in the crucifixion of Christ. La agonía y el dolor de la crucificación es la realidad de la crucificación de Jesús. Now if you can imagine someone driving nails through your hands and through your feet, if you can imagine someone taking a crown of thorns and beating it into your, uh, into your forehead. If you can imagine people in the midst of that painful agony having ripped your back, your, your back open with a whip and now uh, you're hanging on a cross. What's going through your mind? Si usted puede imaginar ser clavado en una cruz, ser... Uh, pues expuesto a una corona de, de, de espinas, de ser uh, latigado hasta que ya tu, tu espalda no se reconoce. ¿Cuáles serían los pensamientos que están pasando por tu, tu cabeza, tu mente? When we hear the words of Jesus, we hear the heart of God. Cuando oímos la voz o las palabras de Jesús, Oímos la, la voz y el corazón de Dios. Now we know from the other portions of scripture that crucifixion often involved the cursing of those who were on the crosses. And you can understand why because if you've ever stubbed your toe and something came out that wasn't quite holy, that never happened to you. This is a godly crowd. I'm so, so blessed to be your pastor. Quizá un día usted se golpeó el dedo gordo y, y salió algo que no debía de haber salido, algo no muy santificado. He did like the guy that smashed his thumb with a hammer and he, he swore out loudly and the pastor was nearby. He said, Pastor, that was the last one. And that was the last one. You can imagine the, the profanity that would come out of the mouths of men who had been crucified. Se puede imaginar la, uh, las maldiciones que saldrían de la boca de un crucificado. And Jesus has just been crucified. Jesús ahora ha sido crucificado. We could understand if he slipped a little, couldn't we? Podemos entender si se le sale algo que no debe decir. We can understand if maybe the attitude of his heart isn't quite right. In the moment of crucifixion, podemos entender si la actitud de su corazón no está muy bien. I could, I could understand that. But what happens is something I cannot understand. Lo que ocurre es algo que yo no puedo entender. Jesus opens his mouth for the first time in this painful experience and he says, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Dice, Padre, perdónales, porque no saben lo que hacen. 
I don't understand that. Yo no puedo entender eso. When we hear those words, we hear the sinless heart of Christ. Cuando oímos esas palabras, oímos el corazón sin pecado, el corazón perfecto de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. I don't know how many of us would be praying in that hour. But the first thing we notice here is that Jesus, the first words that he chooses to speak in the darkest hour of his life is a prayer. Las palabras que Jesús habla en la hora más oscura de su vida es una oración. I want to do something tonight. I want to dare you to pray. Quiero retarte esta noche a orar. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I dare you to pray. Now, I don't mean let's pray for our food. When they've just brought you a plate of fajitas, it's sizzling, and homemade tortillas. It's good thing, good thing you all had dinner already. I don't mean let's pray when everything's going well and things are marching in my direction and life is just peachy and everything is working out the way I planned it. Uh, yo, yo no digo te reto a orar cuando todo va bien, cuando te traen las cosas a la mano, cuando la vida es fácil, cuando no hay problemas, cuando hay uh, la provisión. I'm, I'm saying I dare you to pray in the dark hours of your life. Te reto a orar en las horas difíciles de tu vida. Because every one of us here tonight is going to have dark hours. Todas nuestras vidas van a tener horas difíciles. I thank God that he doesn't let us have all darkness all the time. Come on, somebody thank God for his grace. Qué bueno que Dios no nos permite tener toda la oscuridad todo el tiempo. Like I said uh, last Sunday, no season ever lasted forever. Thank God for that. Ninguna época ha pasado, ha durado para siempre. Why do I keep saying that? Because some of you are going through a season right now and you think I'm never going to get out of this. I, ha I have no way of surviving this. This thing is taking me down. Let me tell you, no season ever lasted forever. No test is permanent. Ninguna época de tu vida es permanente. Come on, no failure is permanent, no setback is permanent, no addiction is permanent. There is nothing permanent in your life but the grace of a good God. Come on, somebody, give God praise because he is with you and he's not going to let you have more than you can handle. Lo único permanente es la gracia de Dios. But there will be dark times. Van a, van a ver momentos difíciles. And when you get into those dark times, I dare you to pray. Cuando llegues a esas horas de aflicción y de lágrimas, te reto a orar. That's the moment to call on Father. 
Ese es el momento de clamar a tu padre. When you get into the world, uh, into the darkness of your, of your life, maybe you've been given a bad uh, a diagnosis from a doctor, maybe a lawyer has given you some bad news, maybe the person you love has walked out on you, maybe you have lost a loved one. Whatever that darkness is, when you get there, I dare you to say, Father. To call on God, not as your boss, not as your master, not even as your friend, but call on him as your father. Jesus said when you pray, pray like this. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He invites us to call upon him as a member of the family. Jesus calls on his father. This fascinates me. The first word from the cross. His father. La primer palabra de la cruz es padre. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Jesus came to restore us to the Father. Eso me da a entender que Jesús vino a restaurarnos al Padre. He came to restore your heart to God the Father. El vino a restaurar tu corazón a Dios Padre. You might say, Pastor, I didn't have a good father. I didn't have a good set of parents. Uh, maybe maybe you say, my dad died when I was young or walked out on my mom and I. I don't know what that was like, but I can tell you that you have a heavenly father who loves you and who wants to be your, your provision and your protection and your savior. Tienes un padre en Dios. The last promise of the Old Testament, the last verse of the Old Testament, God says, I will restore the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to their fathers. La última promesa del Antiguo Testamento, Dios dice, yo voy a restaurar el corazón de los padres a sus hijos y el corazón de los hijos a sus padres. And now the first word from the cross, Jesus tells us, you have a father. Dios ahora nos revela desde la primer palabra de la cruz. Tenemos un padre en Dios. He said, Father, forgive them. When you do a, an evaluation of the heart of Jesus, this would be the moment to find out what's really in his heart. Because as I've told you before, what brings out the real heart of man is pressure. Lo que saca la realidad de nuestro corazón es la presión. Put somebody under pressure, the truth comes out. Whether they want to or not. Si pone a alguien bajo presión, lo primero que sale es la verdad. Aunque no quiera, solo se descubre. Things get tight enough, we reveal our heart. Llega la, la, la presión y revelamos nuestro corazón. But what happens when Jesus is under pressure? He revealed his heart too. Cuando Jesús está bajo presión, Él revela su corazón. What is his heart? His heart is for the forgiveness of his, the human race. Jesus had taught in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemy. And pray for those who persecute you. What is he doing on the cross? He's loving his enemy. And he's praying for those who are persecuting him. 
Jesús había enseñado en el sermón del monte Ama a tu, a tu enemigo y ora por el que te persigue Ahora en la cruz Él está amando a su amigo Y está, está uh, orando por aquel que lo está persiguiendo Do you realize church that Jesus practiced what he preached Jesús hizo lo que él predicó And he still does what he says to this day Todavía hace lo que él dice hasta el día de hoy Come on you, should, you ought to get excited about that Because you got some promises over your life God says I do what I say Dios hace lo que él dice If you have a promise of God over your life, raise your hand. Si usted tiene una promesa de Dios sobre su vida, levante su mano. If you just raise your hand, I want you to know that God does what he says. Dios hace lo que él dice. He said, pray for your enemies. And he prayed for his enemies. Él oró por sus enemigos. I want us to see two things tonight. Number one. This was an act of intercession. Este era un acto de intercesión. He stood in a place of intercession. Se paró en un lugar de intercesión. What is an intercessor? Someone who stands between you and I. To try to bring reconciliation. Un intercesor es uno que se para entre usted y yo. It's like mom's who have to get between their two sons and try to reconcile them. Jesus stood between God the Father and the human race who had waged war on him through sin and he becomes our mediator. Ahí él se hace, se forma nuestro mediador, nuestro intercesor and he asked for forgiveness on our behalf. Who is he asking God to forgive? Well, let's think about this for a moment. First of all, he's asking God to forgive the Romans who are crucifying him. Él está pidiendo que Dios perdone a los romanos los cuales lo están crucificando. They did not know that they were nailing to the cross the Son of God. Ellos no sabían que estaban clavando a la cruz el Hijo de Dios. Have you ever did, done something you didn't know? ¿Ha hecho algo que usted no sabía? It's like the governor went to a chicken dinner one day and he asked the lady, can I have two pieces? And she said, no. If you knew that was the governor, would you have said no? She didn't know it was the governor. If she had known it was the governor, she would have given him three pieces of chicken. <laughs> These guys didn't know that they were crucifying the Son of God. But he also... Is praying for the leaders who crucified him. They didn't get their hands dirty, but their authority led to his crucifixion. He's praying for those who lied about him in order to get him crucified. He's praying for Pontius Pilate who washed his hands and said, I don't want anything to do with this business. He's praying for Caiaphas, the high priest, who illegally put Jesus through trial in the middle of the night and paid for his betrayal. He's praying for their forgiveness. But he's also praying for the sins of all men. In every age and in every generation, from Adam until the last, he was praying for you. 
He was praying for me. When Jesus asked for, our, for us to be forgiven at the cross, he was interceding on our behalf. Uh, you and I had not yet sinned. He was already providing forgiveness. Él, usted y yo ni aún habíamos pecado y Jesús ya estaba proveyendo la, el perdón. Ya estaba haciendo los medios para perdonarnos. He was already providing the bridge or the means by which our sins could be forgiven. And I just want to quote the words of an old spiritual that I used to hear when I was growing up. They used to sing, somebody prayed for me. They had me on their mind. And I'm so glad they prayed for me. You realize that 2,000 years ago, before you had even been thought about, before you were even born, before anybody knew your name, God knew your name, Jesus saw you from the cross and he prayed that your sins would be forgiven. Hace dos mil años, Jesús te vio desde la cruz y pidió tu perdón. He, he beheld the offspring of, of his a sacrifice, says Isaiah 53. He saw the offspring. He saw those, those sons and daughters that would come to God as a result of faith in Christ. And he prayed for your forgiveness. The Bible said that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Dice la Escritura que mientras aún éramos enemigos, Jesús murió por nosotros. And I want to challenge you tonight. Quiero desafiarte esta noche that you and I have been given the same ministry that Jesus had. Se nos ha dado a nosotros el mismo ministerio que Jesús tenía, el ministerio de la reconciliación. The ministry of reconciliation. That means that you and I have been given an opportunity as members of the body of Christ to restore other people to God. To tell other people about the forgiveness that can be found in Christ. A nosotros se nos ha dado el ministerio de reconciliación para anunciar al mundo que hay reconciliación en Dios. Que hay perdón en Dios. To, to give people the uh, understanding and the knowledge that there is forgiveness with God. But I also want to challenge you with this tonight. Who do you need to forgive? También tengo que desafiarte esta noche. ¿A quién tienes tú que perdonar? You see, because until you forgive others, you really can't experience the full joy that comes with being forgiven. Cuando usted perdona a otros, comienza a experimentar el gozo que es ser perdonado. And the fact that Jesus forgave us empowers us to forgive those who have offended us, to forgive those who have hurt us, to forgive those who have robbed us or cheated us. Jesus forgave even before you and I were born. And that's ultimately what, what uh, teaches us about the heart of God, that the heart of God is so gracious in his pardon. He has given us the grace to forgive others. And maybe the person that you need to forgive the most is you. Quizá la persona que usted ha batallado para perdonar es perdonarse a usted mismo. Maybe tonight you're walking around with a 
chain around your neck and you are feeling the burden of your past failures, the burden of your rejection of God in the past, you're feeling the burden of your sin, and you think, I think God might be able to forgive me. I think God might be able to take me. I think God might be over, might be able to get over this in my life. Friend, don't think he can. He already has. If you will receive his pardon by faith. And when you do that, you've got to forgive yourself. And say, yeah, I blew it. I didn't know what I was doing. Because you know the the fact is that Jesus made the truest statement about us. He said, they do not know what they're doing. Come on, let's be honest tonight. Half the time we do not know what we are doing. The Bible compares us to a blind man groping in the dark. And maybe you say, if, if, if I had known what I was doing, I wouldn't have lost that marriage. If I had known what I was doing, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have lost that job. If I had known what I was doing, I had been conscious of, of what I was doing, I wouldn't have gotten involved with those people. I wouldn't have gotten addicted to that drug. I wouldn't have become a part of that lifestyle. Friend, you cannot change that tonight. The past is what it is. But what you can change is today. What you can do today is get up and go to Jesus and accept for him the full pardon of your past, present, and future sins and find that he is not only able to forgive, but he is able to restore. So let it go. Let your past go, your past failures. So what? You blew it. So what? You messed up. So what? You lost your opportunity. So what? God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine. God will blow your mind. He will astound you. He'll make your yesterdays seem like a distant memory. Whatever the pain, whatever the grief, whatever, you, whatever trouble you may have caused, let it go. God says, this is a new day. You're a new man, a new woman. And his forgiveness is for you. And if he can forgive you, you can forgive yourself. You know, the Apostle John, he used these words. He said, even if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. Come on, somebody. God is greater than your heart. What was he saying? Even if your conscience condemns you about what you did yesterday, God is greater than your conscience. And he can cleanse your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. I close with this. Not only was the act of Jesus in this statement a, a, an act of intercession, but it was a legal act of a high priest. Esta fue la obra legal de un sacerdote. What do I mean by a legal act? ¿Qué significa una obra legal? Your sin is a crime that will have to be answered for in a legal court of law called the judgment throne of God.
That's our sin. Nuestro pecado fue un, una ofensa legal contra la santidad de Dios que tendrá que ser acontada en el día del juicio delante de un juicio del Dios eterno. That ought to have us shaking in our boots. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He legally wiped the slate clean for every single person who would come to him by faith. That moment that you came to Jesus and you said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. You accepted the full pardon of Jesus Christ at the cross. That day, God pulled up your file in heaven's computer system. He called up Isaac de los Santos and there came the whole account of my sin. And he took his mouse. I don't know if God has a mouse or not. But he took the mouse and he highlighted all of the record. And then he hit delete. Delete, 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 delete. Somebody say delete. If you have come to Christ as your Savior, whether it was yesterday or Sunday or 10 years ago or 30 years ago, your sins have been deleted because Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Wipe this slate clean. If God never does anything good for me for the rest of my life, if he doesn't give me a car or a house or a job, I've got to praise him because my sins have been forgiven. I said my sins have been forgiven. Come on, act like you've been forgiven tonight and give God some praise for his grace and his mercy, for his compassion, for the full pardon of our sins. My sins, your sins are gone. As far removed as the darkness from the dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness. God has wiped away our sin. But you know, that's not even the whole thing. Because then Jesus opened up a new account. He went to the account. God opened up the account of Jesus, his son. And there was the account of all of the righteousness of Christ. And he highlighted that. And he hit copy. And he brought it over to my file and yours, and he hit paste. And now, when God goes to look at your file or my file, and he goes to see the file of a believer, he doesn't see the wickedness of Isaac, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his son. So when the devil comes up and he says, I want to report an infraction by uh, one Mr. Isaac de los Santos who lives in the city of Beville, Texas, and God pulls up my account and he says, I don't see anything here. All I see is righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. Come on, somebody. My sins are gone. Our sins are gone. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that washes away. Thank God for the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. If you are not saved tonight, you have not given your life to Christ, I wouldn't leave this room without being absolutely certain that you have received by faith the full pardon of God of your sins. And if you are saved tonight and you know it, don't leave this place and ever let the devil steal your joy again. <laughs> 
Jesus paid it all. I said, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Would you stand with me? Father, I thank you. Because tonight I can call you Father. Tonight we can call you Father. Tonight somebody is in the darkest hour they've ever experienced. Tonight there's a man or woman in this room whose heart is crying out for help. Whose heart is crying out for mercy. And today they dare to pray, God my Father have mercy Save me, help me, heal me, strengthen me, deliver me. I pray that you would answer them tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit. Bring a confidence and a hope that they have joy that cannot be taken from them. That their sins have been forgiven. Why don't you just lift your hands and start thanking God.